Look with me, if you would, in Acts, the 20th chapter, for um, some weeks now. We've been on a subject that we're calling Faithful to Finish. Faithful to Finish. And um, one of our main texts is Acts 20 and 22. Acts 20, 22, Paul said by the Spirit, he said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Now, this phrase has the sense of, I've got to go. I must go. I'm bound in the Spirit to go. This is something I have to do. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. No matter how anointed and how spiritual one may be, there's always all kind of things you don't know. And uh, he said, I, I don't know. Verse 23, save or accept the Holy Spirit is witnessing in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or are waiting on me. And because of that, there were people around him that had said, well, then don't go. Don't go. But you know, just because it's challenging doesn't mean it wasn't the will of God. He was supposed to go. And yet it was, it was very challenging. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. Don't you like that? If this is new to you, mark this verse. Acts 20, 24. Because I assure you, there will be times when you need to open your mouth and say, none of these things move me. Because there's all kinds of things that will try to move you. But you need to be strong and say, none of these things move me. He went on to say, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Finish my course with joy and the ministry. Now the word ministry can also be translated service. Service. My service, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Every believer has a service they can do and should do. Every believer has grace, giftings, anointings. Most of them are not in the area of speaking, preaching and teaching. There's a relatively small percentage of the body that's speaking gifts. But all the body is anointed to serve. And there are, it's a real sad state that in many, many churches, you've got a handful of people doing all the work of the service and ministry, while 95% of the folks come and sit and listen and go and do nothing. They don't contribute in any way or very little. But that's not how it's supposed to be. All of us are supposed to be active in some kind of contribution service. And not just money. Money won't make up for your time and energies and talents. If the Lord tells you, give some time to that, volunteer for that, become a part of that. You can't say, well, I'll just give some money. That won't be okay with him. 
It's not the same thing. Time is actually more valuable than your money. And so uh, uh, service is for all. And he said, these things don't move me. I don't count my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy. Look in 2 Timothy also, 2 Timothy 4 and 1, 2 Timothy 4, 1. He said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust or desires, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He said the time will come when many won't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to hear the things that scratch their itching ear. I actually wrote a little thing in my margin years ago next to that. I said, teacher, teacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. That's what he's talking about. Don't tell us what the word says because that's going to require some change out of us. Just tell us what we want to hear. Pacify us. And uh, just preach to us about inclusion. And acceptance. Well that's not what Jesus preached. You'll hear people even say that. Well Jesus taught and preached acceptance. No he didn't. He taught repentance. That's not the same. I said that's not the same. He preached repentance. And the kingdom of God. He commanded his people. To love each other. But see how the enemy twists things? That if you're really, you know, like Christ, you just accept everybody and everything. That's not what he said. He told people over and over, repent. Repent means change. He said, verse 5, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. And that's another way of talking about Finish your course. Notice he uses the word endure here a couple of times. He says, for I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. Don't you want to be able to say that? When you reach the end of this life. And you realize you're about to breathe your last. You're about to leave here. What you don't want to be saying, which so many do. You don't want to be saying, oh, I thought I'd have more time. Yeah, but we didn't. And we never got to. And No, we must realize procrastination is dangerous. It's a tool and trick of the enemy. If he can't get you to just say, I'm not going to do it, then his fallback position is, well, later. Because he knows you don't have much later. You keep thinking later, later, that's assuming you've got more time. You've got all these years. They tell us that every second, almost, two people 
die somewhere on the earth. Some 160,000 or so in a 24-hour period. And I assure you, all those people were not 90 and 100-year-olds. There's 20-year-olds in that group, 40-year-olds, 50s, 5-year-olds in that group. And this is every day. Every day, scores of thousands of people are leaving here. And I assure you, so many of them, when they're breathing their last, they're thinking, I thought I had more time. I thought, I, you know, we would do this or we would do that. No, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You can't do anything yesterday. That's gone. You can't do anything tomorrow. You don't live in tomorrow. You'll never live in tomorrow. When tomorrow gets here, what will it be? Today. The only time you've ever done anything was today. Now. And so see, that's what see, I'm talking about the trick of the enemy to get you to keep pushing things off till tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Because unless it becomes, I'm going to do it today, it'll never happen. Tomorrow's always not yet. And so what a, a joy, what a fulfillment to be like Paul when he realizes I'm, I'm about to leave here. But I, I did it. By God's grace and help, I have run my whole race. I have finished my entire course. I, I have done the things that the Lord put me down here to do. And aren't we glad that he did? I mean, we're, we're preaching off of what he wrote. Is that right? So he didn't just put this off. You know, how many? what if he'd have put writing that letter to Timothy off? And just kept putting it off and putting it off and forgot about it. And there wouldn't be any Second Timothy to talk about. Somebody had to obey God or we have no work of the Lord accomplished. And somebody had to decide we're going to do it today. We're going to do it now. Now's the time. Here we go. And I assure you that they're human just like you and I and they didn't feel like they had all the answers or that they knew everything. You just, you give God what you got and you walk in the light that you have and you expect him to help you with the rest and he uses it and blesses it. He said, uh, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Don't you like that? Yeah. Said out loud, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now that is what you want to be able to say when you know you're about to leave here. And if you're able to say that in good conscience, one of the next things you'll hear later on is, well done. <laughs> well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Go to Hebrews 12, please. We've been talking about running your race, finishing your course, and we asked the question is it too early to think about finishing? That's too weak. I'm asking everybody is it too early to think about finishing up? How long you got left down here? 
Now, if the trumpet sounds, we're out of here. It's done. But, uh, you know, the Lord will have to sustain you to even make it through another week. Something's got to keep your heart beating. Something's got to keep your brain working. You know? Not only did God create human beings, He sustains us every millisecond. It's His gravity that keeps you from flying off the planet. It's the atmosphere He created that allows you to breathe. It's the star that gives us the light and the heat and all these things. We ought to be thanking Him continually for our existence and every part of our provision and protection and all of these things, our prosperity. We ought to be just thanking Him all the time. That's why the Scripture talks about in everything, give thanks. Right? You just, it's a way of life for you. If the conversation lulls and you don't know what to say, it's always appropriate to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Why? Well, your eyes are open. Say, Thank you, Lord. You take a breath and you say, Thank you, Lord. Because you do, you owe it to Him. And, uh, in uh, talking about finishing your course, Hebrews, uh, actually let's look at the 12th chapter. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. So back up two chapter, two verses rather, into the 11th. Back up two verses into that. And that's verse 39, 1139. Talking about all the individuals that he mentioned in that 11th chapter. Abraham and Sarah and Enoch and Joseph, and the list goes on and on and on. All these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Talking about, like for instance, said Abraham was looking for a city. Well, he didn't find that city. And it goes on to say, verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Isn't that nice of God? To hold it till we all got there. Right? (laughs) So some of the things that he showed them that they were believing for, they didn't see the fullness of it in their lifetime, hadn't seen it yet, because God's letting us run our race and course, and then we'll all get to do some of these big things together. Together. Verse, uh, the the next chapter then, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about With so great a cloud of witnesses. Now these are witnesses. Who have already lived their life down here. And already run their race. And already finished their course. And now they are resting from their labors. And we are encompassed about with them. We have reason to believe, I won't go into detail, but that uh, people in heaven, people with God that have left this life, they don't know about all the natural things that you do and they don't care. But they are aware of things that are spiritually significant. Like when somebody comes to the Lord, or somebody comes back home that was backslid, or somebody answers a call on their life, or somebody accomplishes what God gave them to do, that kind of thing. Kingdom things, spiritual things that actually matter. The other things 
Nobody will care after this life. All those many natural things. But uh, they have run their race. They have finished their course. Now he's talking about us running ours. Since you've got this great cloud of witnesses that have already run their race, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. That's the word for endurance, perseverance or endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now here we're talking about people who finish their course. And here we see two big areas of why people don't finish their course. Things that would hinder you from finishing your course. Weights and sins. He, he uses the graphic illustration of an athlete running a foot race. And of course, back during his time, the games were big. Athletics were huge. Running, wrestling, all manner of things. And so uh, he's using the description of somebody running a race. And now it's obvious this is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. This is a marathon, if you will. And so he said, uh, how many understand, you don't need a bunch of heavy stuff on you if you're trying to run an endurance race. Would that affect you? Could that cause you to not be able to finish? You're running a a 20-mile race and somehow or another forgot to take off your 80-pound backpack. Now you're laughing, but spiritually this is reality. Why do a lot of people not finish their race? Because of fatigue, because of weariness. And what many have not understood, that if it was just running the race, they'd be okay, but they're carrying baggage. How much baggage do you need to be carrying when the gun goes pow and you're out of the blocks? Do you need two Samsonites? Backpack. Samsonites. What do they call that? The little bag you wear around the front and all that kind of stuff. Fanny pack? 50 pound fanny pack. 80 pound backpack. Two 60-pound Samsonites. Now you're laughing, but how hard would it be to run a race? What would you do? Even if you started out so determined, right? You know, with that kind of weight and encumbrance, the other folks are going to run off and leave you. And you're like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. But you still, you know, you're feeling like you're about to pass out and you still got 19 miles to go. That's why many don't finish the race. Because they don't practice the command to cast all your cares over on the Lord. And some of the heaviest things that people carry One of the heaviest things 
is shame. Shame. Guilt is heavy. Shame is heavy. And it weighs you. And it wears you. And day in, day out, you're trying to run the race and carry the weight of all of that. And taking responsibility that's not yours. Letting the devil blame you and shame you for what happened to this one and what happened to that one. And you didn't do this and you could have done that. And that accumulates. And if you keep letting it pile up on you over the years, it's not going to be surprising that you're not going to finish a race. You're going to give up because it's just too hard. It's too heavy. And people talk like, well, it's too hard serving God. No, it ain't too hard serving God. It's too hard carrying all that junk around. Because what did the Lord say about his yoke? What did he say? Come unto me. Put that up on the screen for us. What is that? Matthew 10, 35 or so? Is it 11? Thank y'all. Thank y'all. 11, 28. Put that up for us, please. Matthew 11. Yeah, thank you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, Jesus said, all ye that labor and are what? Heavy. Heavy laden means loaded. Heavy loaded, and I'll add to your load. No. 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 If you are loaded heavy, the Lord didn't do that to you. You did it to yourself. You let the enemy do it to you. He said, I will do what? I'll give you relief. I'll give you rest. When you come to the Lord and you cast all your care over on him, you, you feel light. You go, whoo, man, didn't realize I was carrying all that around. Oh, thank God. You know what you're ready to do then? Watch out. Watch out. Now, now when you go to run your race, this is something, I got a pace now. I can do this for the next 50 years. Hallelujah. Because I'm not dragging all this stuff. I got rid of my Samsonites. Got rid of my backpack. Got rid of my fanny pack. Got rid of all those cumbersome junk. You have to. You have to cast your cares over on him. You have to receive your forgiveness and get rid of all the guilt. Oh, I don't know if you heard that or not. You got to get rid of all the guilt and all the shame or you won't be able to finish your race. Not you might not be able to. You, you can't run a race like that. You can't run a race with that kind of weight wearing down on you. That's why Jesus came. Get that off of us. Keep reading this. There in Matthew. And then we'll go back to Hebrews. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find what? Rest. rest. He keeps talking about rest. Relief. And rest. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy. Easy. 
easy. He's got a yoke. But it's carbon fiber. It's really strong. But light as a feather. And my burden is light. Yeah, he's got he's got assignment. He's got something for you to do. But it's about that big. You hardly know it's there when you're running. Somebody say, light, light. and easy. Light, light. And, easy. and easy. If it ain't light, it ain't God. Some kind of heavy thing weighing you down, dragging you down, that ain't God. This thing you can barely live and barely make it through life because it's so hard, it's so heavy, that's the devil. That's the enemy fooling you, tricking you. Stuff you're supposed to lay aside. You know what he say? Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Go back there to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Now the greatest example of running your race and finishing your course there has ever been. Can you guess who it is? Jesus. The head of the church. He ran his race perfectly. He finished his course perfectly and completely. He did it right. And this is described right here. And what we're to do, what he's saying in this passage, we are to run our race like he ran his race. And, and we do what he did, then the things that would keep you from finishing your race, just like it couldn't keep him from finishing his, it won't keep us from finishing ours. Amen. Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses that finish their race. Let us do what? Say it out loud. I got to get rid of the junk. You cannot drag all your past failures, all the junk of life, worries, cares, concerns, other people's problems and stuff. You, you are not the Savior. You are not built to carry and pay for sin and condemnation. That's why Jesus had to come. He's the only one that could do that. And he did it. So we must not try to carry what he already carried. Doesn't Isaiah 53 say? He bore our sorrows, our sicknesses. He carried our pains. Somebody say, he he carried my sorrow. He bore my sins. Now you'll see something else he did. He bore your shame. Because that was the result of your sin and mine. He bore it. Why did he bear it? Wasn't for himself. He bore it so you and I could be free of it. We wouldn't have to live under a shadow and under the heavy heavy weight of guilt and shame and regret and bitterness. We could be light. We could be 
free. Hallelujah. And we could run this thing and finish this thing the way we're supposed to. He said, seeing we got this great cloud of witnesses all around us, you could say observing our progress from above, let us do what? Here's something God won't do for you. Here's something nobody else can do for you. This is something you got to do for yourself. People sometimes beg and say, oh God, take it away. Take it away. Take what? My, my, my guilt and shame. He already did. You got to lay it aside. You got to quit holding on to it. Let us. Who's going to do it? Us lay aside every weight. I want you to say that out loud. Lay aside. Lay aside. Every weight. Every weight. If it slows you down, hang got room for it. If it's holding me back from doing what God told me to do, got to get rid of it. Is that right? Now this is something different from sin. He didn't say it was a sin, but it's a weight. The next category is sin. And he said the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, that term means to encircle around like to snare or to entangle so as to trip you up. Sin will, people get entangled in sin. And I understand it's hard to run when you're tied up in something. Got a bunch of vines around your feet and, and you know, you're not, going to, you're not going to finish a race like that. Sin, and that's why the enemy keeps tempting us all the time. Trying to pull us off over here, pull us off over there, and get in, involved in something you're not supposed to be involved in. Taking up your time, taking up your energies, taking up your money, robbing your joy, robbing your peace. And while all that's happening, you ain't running the race. You're not making progress. And people get entangled in stuff they shouldn't be involved in for years. And they look up and 10 years has passed. And I'm 10 years behind on my race. We don't have years to waste. We don't have years to just blow. Notice he describes how Jesus did it. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. How do you do it? Keep going. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? How do I run my race? Follow Jesus' lead. He's already showed you how it's done. And he shows you the pace. He shows you what to do and not do. You got to keep your eyes on him. You got to quit looking behind. You got to quit looking to the sides. Looking to Jesus. How did he run his race? He kept his eyes beyond the mock trial. Beyond the scourging. Beyond the cross. Beyond the judgment. See, if you're going to finish, you can't just be dwelling on how hot it is. Man, it's hot. Whew, I'm sweating. Oh, man, my foot's tired. Oh, 
Oh, that's how you quit. Right? What do you got to do? I see the line. I see. Right? Man, it's going to be great when I hit that line. going to be great. You go where you look. You look down, you're going to go down. You look off, you're going to get off. You look back, you're going to go back. You go where you look. Your face connected to your vision. And so he said, for the joy that was set before him. He did what? Endured the cross. There are three big things this passage says Jesus did. This is one of them. Endured. He endured the cross. This is what it says, run your race with patience. It's talking about the same thing, endurance. With endurance. How did he do it? How did, he, how did Jesus get through the cross? He wasn't just dwelling in the pain of the moment. He was looking beyond it. It was the joy that was before or in front. He could see by faith the other side of the cross. He could see the joy of you and me not being lost, not perishing, not being judged. How much we would appreciate it, how thankful we would be. How we would delight in glory in being a part of his family forever and being a part of his eternal kingdom. And he kept telling himself, I can do it. I can do it for them. I can do it. Why am I saying that? That's how you get through your race. Same way. That's how I get through my race. Not just living for yourself. But whatever the Lord tells you to do, any kind of sacrifice or temporary suffering that's according to the will of God benefits the body. If it doesn't benefit believers and the church and the body, then that's not suffering according to the will of God. But if you're doing something he told you to do, but it's hard and it's costing you and it's a lot of sacrifice, but it's going to help somebody, it's going to help somebody to get free, then you do the same thing for the joy of them being set free and help. I can do it. I can, I can keep going. The endurance. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. He made it through. The cross. Keep reading. And he did what? Now, now here's the thing. We, we, we must do every one of these things if we're going to finish our race like he did. Looked ahead and saw the joy. Kept enduring. What else did he do? Despising the shame. He was made a public spectacle. He was, he was and is holy, sinless, spotless, never disobeyed the Father, never rebelled or sinned, never. And yet, He 
He's treated like the worst criminal. Being nailed to the cross was for the worst. It was capital punishment. It was like the electric chair. It was the worst of the worst. That's what they got. And he was hung out. And not only on earth, but we couldn't see, but demons were laughing at him. And when he died, they thought they had won. But instead of the Lord letting that shame overwhelm him, he didn't magnify the shame. Oh, come on, church, help me out. He, he despised the shame. Despise, one definition is to belittle. And that's what you've got to do. If you're going to finish your course, you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. We've messed up. We've come short. But you've got a purpose in your heart and mind. The Lord shed his blood to pay for all that. Amen. huh? And if he went to the lengths he did to forgive me and cleanse me, I'm not going to live in condemnation. Amen. I despise the shame. I despise the shame. I refuse to live in shame. Like I said, all of us have made mistakes. I, I've made mistakes. All of us have done said things. We wouldn't want to be brought up in the front and a spotlight put on us and told what we did. Amen. Every one of us. But even if you found out some mistake that I made, I refuse to be ashamed and guilty about it because I have repented Amen. and I've received my forgiveness. Yes. And I am clean by the blood. Not saying the mistake I made was okay. But do you understand what I'm talking about? You you must refuse to let the enemy lord it over you with guilt and shame because it's a trick. He's just loading you and saddling you with stuff to wear you out so you don't finish your race. You can't run your race. With a bunch of guilt and shame. Jesus did what? They're mocking him. The king of kings. The lord of lords. Is hanging almost naked. Blood drenched. Sweat drenched. Crown of thorns jammed down on his head. Hung out there like a nothing. Like a nobody. And worse than that. Like a dis criminal but Jesus in all his holiness he didn't say I can't take this he despised the shame he despised the shame and it said keep keep going verse 3 consider him how are we going to finish our race church huh He is the author and the finisher of what it takes to finish our race, which is faith. One verse said, looking to him. This one says, consider him. That's how you're going to make your race every day, is looking to him and considering him. Looking to him, how did he do it? How did he do it? Then that's exactly how you're going to do it. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Getting weary and tired and fainting 
is how people don't finish their course. They get tired, they get weary, they give up, they quit. A lot of times they backslide, leave church, whatever, and what? Take that giant load of shame and guilt with them. Not to will of God. Not to plan of God. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Keep reading verse 4. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Three big words that Jesus did that enabled him to finish his race here in this passage. Endured, despised, resisted. Now this is not just talking about here that he shed his blood. This is describing when he resisted sin. And I believe this is referring to what happened in the garden. When he was pushed beyond what other people have been pushed. And that's what he's saying. You haven't resisted to the point, I'm going to add to, that blood came out of your pores. Not from being injured, but just from the pressure of the enemy pushing you, trying to get you to do something that was wrong. And what was Jesus praying in that garden? Father, if there is any way, let this cup pass from me. All things are possible with you. What's he being pushed and tempted to do? Not go through with this. Not finish this. He's at the door. This is about to happen now. And the full brunt of what's going to happen to him, he's aware of. And as bad as being nailed to the cross was, being scourged, as bad as that was, that wasn't the worst part. That, that portrayed what happened in spirit when he was made sin, didn't sympathize with, made sin with all the sin of human beings, past, present, and future converged on his spotless soul and the judgment for all that sin fell on him and that's when he cried out my God why have you forsaken me that's what he was recalling from that's what he was pulling back from because when had he ever been separated from the father and it was for nothing he had ever done but hallelujah What was he doing? By faith. He saw the bunch at Faith Life Church. (laughs) Didn't he? Didn't he? And all his other children. In every generation, in every place, every continent, every tribe, kindred, nation, language. He saw us all. He even saw the marriage supper of the Lamb. He saw the new heavens. Are y'all with me or not? The new heavens and the new earth. Where is no sin, no curse, no death. Hallelujah. And you and me, even though we messed up and failed so miserably, you and I, clean, holy, able to come right up to the throne of grace and worship God face to face. That's why he did it. That's why he went through it. That's why he kept coming back to nevertheless. 
Not my will. But your will be done. But the enemy was pushing him so hard not to do it. That in his resisting that temptation to say I'm not going through with that. He resisted to the point blood started coming out of his pores. And that's why the scripture says you ain't got to that point. So if he could do that to that degree as a human being. You can resist sin that would try to entangle you and keep you from running your race. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody stand, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.